Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guests this time are Camila Fuchs, band based in Lisbon, Portugal, comprised of Camila de la Borde and Daniel Herman Collini. We spoke about five important records. What I really like about this one is that they kind of shared these important albums. So I think they picked their own individual releases, but they were both able to talk freely and enthusiastically about all of these albums. It made for a really, really excitable, enjoyable, deep conversation. I had a great time in their company. And their new record, Kids Talk Sun, is out now on Felter and... As the title suggests, I mean, Camilo Fuchs' work prominently with electronics, recurrence, vocal melodies. This particular record has a very playful feel to it, like peering back into memories of childhood, the oversaturated colours, the distortion, the over-optimism of nostalgia. But also as well, it does have that darkness around the edges, which also perforates nostalgic harkbacks to childhood memories that complexity that comes with looking back at pleasant memories of childhood from the emotional complications of adulthood just a really awesome record and it just gets better with every spin and they recorded the record actually with pete kemba of spacemen 3 and sonic boom we talk a bit about pete's involvement both in this record and also his contribution to one of their important record picks as well. And so you can check out Camilla Fuchs's music on Bandcamp. They're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And as always, head over to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on their picks and links to their music as well. All right, here it is. Here's the conversation. Thank you very much, as always, for subscribing. This is Camilla Fuchs on Crucialistic. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hey, hello. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. You have brought some important records for us to talk about. Before we do, I wanted to ask about your new album, Kids Talk Sun, which is due out in November on Felter. My first question is about where you recorded this album. The location itself sounds like it was pretty special, quite notable. So could you tell me about where you recorded the record? Yeah, we moved, um, we were living in Lisbon and um, we started the record there but the space we were working on was was really small, it was an attic and we couldn't really stand up and 
oh. two of us was like tight. So when we, um, yeah, when it came came about that we were working with with Pete Kember on this record, he lives out here in Sintra, and we really wanted to make it, yeah, to for it to be possible and make it happen. So we kind of were like, okay, we're gonna find a way. We're gonna move somewhere. And we were looking for a bigger space and then him and his wife suggested to us, why don't you come out here in the countryside where we live? I mean, you'll get so much more space for the same price and we'll be close to each other, which would make the collaboration um, easier instead of commuting mm -hmm. all the time. And we did that we found the place we're living in it's like it was the only place to rent and it's out here in the countryside walking distance from the sea and it's um yeah it's a really really magical and mystical place because it's uh sintra is kind of like this natural reserve but that was it was built by humans completely you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it but it used to be just like desertic almost and now it's just so full of life and trees and and there's like a microclimate because of that because it's like right next to the sea so the weather is always turning every day and it's yeah mm. a lot of fog but a lot of sunshine as well it's, it's very very yeah it's quite mystical <laughs> and unique yeah and did that have any shaping on the record like I, I don't know how much of the records you had kind of ready to roll by the time you got there but did the location impress upon the album in any way definitely i mean i think one of the main parts was that we we were a lot out in the nature and and that was kind of something that really fed into the album and into the record um I think mainly observation of nature and, and just being out like parts, you know, we were recording the record and we went out at least once or twice a day and, mm. and just spent time in the nature, went for walks and... Yeah, it's like every single moment that we weren't working on the record, we were here in this like place and spending our time differently way more relaxed, way more contemplative, doing a lot of gardening. Oh, so no. yeah, it kind of <laughs> not really, really dreamy. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a really nice experience and definitely all these times that where we weren't working in the record, I think were equally important as when we were working on the record, like it really fed, yeah. totally fed into each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, my, association often with the record creation process is quite an insular experience right you're 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 kind of bound to your studio space um mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know you, you get the reward of natural light maybe at the end but absolutely it's, I mean, it's, you know it's it, it can be really quite a stodgy experience so i mean um yeah, yeah. i imagine we that was quite to, pleasant huh yeah we had to unlearn i mean this this idea of being in the studio 24 7 which we did when we recorded our last record mm. yeah we were even sleeping um, in the studio <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. it got to that point and oh. i think pete played a big role in that just to show us that actually <clears throat> the biggest part of the inspiration comes from not being in the studio and <laughs> 
and dedicating their time to, to other things and just contemplating and then going back with a fresh energy into the studio and you know taking everything that you absorb from the outside world into the creative process yeah. mm. and not so many not so many moments of, of, of doubt somehow because <coughs> say when we were working with Pete we would work on on a track for us like an X amount of time never too much and then be like okay now let's let's just stop you know and we would have been more of the vibe of just continuing and ah. over and over and over and and he would kind of just like con consciously stop give our ears a break get distracted and whenever we would come back we would know if we were going in the right direction or not mm. um, and so it was like this really pretty freeing experience of making a record to be honest like uh, just there yeah, there wasn't that much space for for worrying or double thinking or questioning it was just um, that's why I think it has kind of like a kids energy or there were right. a lot of like contemplative like just drawing back to a certain nature of just just doing right <laughs> and uh very spontaneous and yeah yeah because it's a record that when i listen i think it would be so easy to take you know any one of these tracks maybe any of them and be like this could be a 12 minute opus in which you're coming at the central refrain from multiple different angles and basically just picking it apart for that entire duration and yet you seem to have this incredible wonderful knack for keeping things within a durational realm which allows it to be kind of playful and buoyant and vibrant um, right. throughout its entire thing and to also have some semblance of, of pop about it I guess within its brevity so uh, was that the uh, an important part of it for you having those breaks and the the ability to pull away and keep it fresh again was that something that maybe allowed it to be quite concise as well and quite targeted mm, maybe maybe like unconsciously hmm. but consciously <laughs> we we always i mean and that's also i think a lot of the records we picked or some of them have that which is just this, um, this, this, this change between energies from song to song mm. and, and different worlds and it kind of being uh, a trajectory that really changes from song to song but at the same time it's still a body of work and, and, and it guides you and I like, I mean I like trying to make a record where every moment is kind of, yeah, it's giving you something. Um, mm. It's very important for me that there's no, yeah, there's no moments of like, um, yeah, that it's always present, basically. Something mm. is always is present and it's always there and, and we're not letting anything down right. somehow. Right, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I mean, um, one other question I had before we move on to the records was about, I and mean, you've mentioned the presence of Pete there and his usefulness in kind of banishing you from the studio when it was probably right to do so. I mean, what what else, what are some other prominent things that Pete brought to the process for you? A lot, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the whole process is so hard to describe in words and to describe, I mean, the whole experience was in itself just 
very dreamy and very much like um, yeah completely new experience um, a lot was actually happening outside of the recordings and outside of the outside of being in a studio I mean it, it was really about spending time together and exchanging and and just meeting him as a person and he was yeah just incredibly giving I mean one story is for example that we would wake up and every morning we would find like a plant on our doorstep <laughs> or like a track in our phones to listen to or something mm. so I mean he Inputs, was like just small. very very giving throughout the whole process and very attentive and but then at the same time we also had our space to create I mean it was never like there was also but they, they were quite like a, I mean in a more like tangible way in the actual recording it was like a hundred percent different to the way we we would work and some of the things were for example when we showed him demos me and daniel had chosen like our top 10 and that's for how we did our previous album you know we had the songs and then we were like these these are the songs of the album and we're going to finish them mm. and then we showed pete um or demos and then he was just like yeah cool show me more and we were like more <laughs> show me more and then and, and it didn't stop i think we heard like 30 demos and maybe and chose 20 and he was just like yeah we're gonna work like on this 20 simultaneously i think yeah Whoa. i think that and was we were one like, of the Whoa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> One of the great things, because I think within the creative process, you many times create things that you're sometimes yourself not very content with. I don't know why that happens, but mm. sometimes you just pick certain songs you wouldn't choose over others. But then, you know, eventually, like if you actually go and say, let's let's give it a try with the song and maybe see what what comes yeah. out. Right. I, mean, I think I think a lot of the tracks. I mean. Quite a few tracks that we wouldn't have initially chosen made it into the album. Wow! Even 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 on the last step, I mean, we mixed two extra songs, and uh, now it's just like you know what we don't we don't have to mix them. I'm pretty sure because because time was <laughs> short, and I was just like we don't have to mix them. You know, we're they're not, they're probably not gonna go into the record, and people was just like no, we've gone this far. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna finish it, and the last mixes mixing session just made it was sandstorm. Just made the song completely wow. change, and we were like, okay, it's going into the into the album. So that was quite like a an interesting way of working, and just showing us to kind of trust and just wait for the songs to, to form and shape yeah but you never really know you never really know really <laughs> well let's uh, go to your important records now so one question i like to ask is how you thought about the term important whether or not there was a particular understanding of that term that allowed you to come up with the list that you did so camilla was there a way you thought about that term to come up with your list uh, yes, I mean, um, for Lint, for example, of, of Jenny, she's a, she's a really good friend of mine, um, and I, that, that I, I, I love to, to beat, so that's something really important for me, but also her album is just, it's just so, so, so personal, it's kind of, 
I mean, a lot of a, a lot of music is personal, but she really does actually open her space, her world, her relationships, and it's there in the in the record. And I think that that's I don't know. It felt like something really important for me. I I think yeah, I think it's something to feel grateful about somehow. Like when somebody opens up. Yes, mm. it's nearly like, like a diary. Yeah, like totally. I mean, I think some of the records we picked are like personal, you know, connections in terms of like the experience we had when we discovered this album or the record. And then some other records, I think, for example, the Flying Lizards album has something which is, it's the narrative of the record and the storytelling and then Another thing that I really love about the records that we picked that yeah they have some kind of Jenny's album for example opens up into her personal world but then some other albums like the album of Layla it's very much like it opens a parallel world it's nearly like a synesthesia mm. where you kind of you hear the record and you find yourself in in a different world, pretty much. I mean, it's kind of like a very abstract universe that you can dive into. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about first. Which one shall we discuss? Do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, go. let's. We can. I mean, we can. Since we've mentioned Jenny's, we can speak a little bit more about Jenny's. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's a, first of all, it's a really, really cute and sweet and beautiful record. I mean, it's, it kind of has this, this magical thing of, of the first record somebody ever does. Mm. It's, um, there's very li little judgment, you know, I think she's just, she, she was just doing her thing and, and loving mixing really weird electronics and toys with field recordings stuff that she like recorded with her phone conversations with friends um, trajectories or walks that she would do mm. um, with her voice then she has like it's it's kind of like a record where you don't I think if you just shut your eyes you wouldn't really know when one song starts and one song finishes absolutely yeah they have interesting um structures within the songs and at the same time it's got yeah a lot of field recordings where you suddenly drift but then it's got this like really strong couple of songs where she's singing and and the lyrics are just like i mean out of for an album that doesn't have that many, say, lyrics or sang songs, I think the, 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 the ones she did, which is like Jordan and and another one with a Norwegian name. Yes, I know the one you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the lyrics are just incredible. Yeah, where, where she's talking about that dream. Well, I dreamt that I yeah, would die. I, yeah. I dreamt that I would die. I haven't yet, but I'm about to in a day or two or three. Mm. And then it goes, um, 
it dawns on me and I realize all of the things that are gonna go on like and the other song um, that is like the opening track of the album Jordan mm -hmm. the lyrics go um, I, I thought about uh, Jordan I thought about you in my sleep a hint of sadness was printed in, printed on your eyelids so you kept your eyes wide open then let me see I tried to gather it all but the floor was getting muddy and I sank into the floor <laughs> and they're, they're just they're just very yeah they're wonderful and and her melodies are are incredible as well to come back to that song Jordan as well because that I think is such a the way she she frames that song with the various means of recording it and the kind of spaces she takes yeah. it into this got this wonderful sense of a song existing across many spaces and times simultaneously right yeah 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 i think she she plays a lot a, a lot with that which is like this you hear the song and it's like it's it's recorded in one place but then she's probably somewhere else and she was just like humming it on her phone mm. and suddenly it goes into that and it's this completely a blend of mediums that she uses. It really is like a diary. Very yeah. Much like a capture, like a capture. There's a, there's actually a part of uh, a part where you can hear Daniel and and me speaking over the phone, and I never realized that she was recording. What? But I was yeah, I was I was I was, and I heard the record, and then for like at some point I just hear my voice, and I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. Which is, which is, yeah, and I'm just speaking on the phone with Dan and just like, yeah, I'm just with Jenny making music. No way. <laughs> and, and I think that that's a really sweet thing. I mean, I kind of realized that when we made for our album recently, like our, our first music video, mm. and I did a collage of a lot of videos I had in my phone, and there's a lot of friends that appear, a lot of familiar places, and I just, I realized how that's such a nice way to, to connect yeah, with music or with videos where somehow you're like pulling other people in, pulling other relationships mm. and and although it might be, I mean, it might be a bit more special for me because it's like, oh my god, I'm on the record. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but besides that, I think it also does give another, yeah, it gives a different energy to the listener. Um, mm -hmm. Just like, this is, this is somebody she knows. What was the context? What's the relationship? Yeah, I think that that's a. Uh, I think it it does something to people when, when they hear something and it's, the person is really opening up their own space in life. I think one thing that really makes me think about that on this album is, the the fact that with Jordan she's, just spontaneously kind of starts playing it in amongst a group full of people. Um, and I couldn't, mm -hmm. I kind of almost get like an air of anxiety at that point, like hearing someone bearing like quite a private song, which, you know, only really exists in Jenny at that point because she's only just recording it, you know, for the record right then. Mm -hmm. So it's this bearing yeah. of this song that she's kind of carrying with her. Um, yeah. It's cool to hear it framed in that way. And obviously people at the end chatting about, you know, giving a strange feedback on how the song could be improved and... Um, yeah, it's a lovely way to frame the opener of the yeah. record there. 
It's very, I mean, it's a very emotional, even if it has like field recordings and a lot like sounds of, of birds and then, I mean, the electronics of it, that's another side, which are just so, so awesome. Hmm. Um, even if it has like this quite like cheery thing of conversation and field recordings and bird sounds, hmm. it also goes quite like, uh, quite, yeah, quite deep and, and hunting at times and, yeah. And, and super emotional it's kind of it, it it does have this like piercing moments where you're like wow mm. yeah it's just such a beautiful <laughs> record um and you played with the i mean you may have played with her before this point but last year in oslo right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. how was that it was amazing she, uh she kind of invited us and organized a little tour for us. Yeah, oh, cool. a little tour for yeah, us there. Yeah. yeah, she was just like, come and play, and then she found us other gigs in, in, in Bergen. Yeah, it's a very special friendship. I mean, I remember, for example, also in, I once went to visit her, and, and we went to visit her sister, and her sister lived like on a, yeah, almost a, like top floor, and you had to go up a lot of stairs, and it's something that you hear on the... <laughs> on the record as well so I was just like oh my god I remember the sound of these stairs and like going all the way up and you can hear it wow. and you can hear her sister opening the door and just being like hello and, <laughs> and and it's just so nice to be able to track all these little memories yeah wow. it's a diary it totally is like a, a diary it's a very interesting concept of just an album mm. I mean it's it's I couldn't tell any other record that has similar processes. I mean, I maybe there are, but I'm just, yeah. I think she put everything she <coughs> likes and everything that called her into it, you know? Mm -hmm. She loves field recordings. She loves digging for records of bird sounds. Somehow she's really into that and there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And she loves mixing mediums so like if she's performing live she would have you know her she would go from like acoustic guitar to playing some cassettes and some yes. radio and then she has her electronic machines and toys like some things that she builds and i think she put it yeah she put it everything that called her and everything that she enjoyed into lint so Let's go to uh, your second record now. Um, again, I'll let you choose whichever one feels appropriate here. If you give me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well. One and one, you choose them. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can talk about The Flying Lizards and about Layla's album because I feel that there are some interesting similarities and I, um, I read this quote about the flying lizards that um, they 
I mean, there was like, yeah, a quote where they said that the album is interesting and the individual songs as well, but it just doesn't gel as an album. Yes. And, and for me, I mean, the way how the album has this arch, the same way as also Layla builds most of her albums, I just find it so interesting because you kind of really dive into a whole movie in a way where you have all these different trajectories and stories coming around the corner and and for me the like weather album by Leila really feels I mean it does feel like weather it really has <laughs> it has all these different temperatures and climates and and it really goes up and down and it takes you I mean I don't know if you heard it on headphones but I would yes. recommend anyone who hears it to listen to it on headphones because it really sucks you in the whole record and I, I was yeah I was having difficulties to know which album of hers to choose because I mean I love all her records and I think that she has been very very um, how can I say um, inspiring and influential yeah right? inspiring and influential not only for us but I think in general for a lot of genres and and the thing is that I don't think that she falls into any kind of genre and I always felt that her music was very much somehow out of time and and timeless in a way where you can sometimes you know say okay this goes in this direction or another direction but still I mean she always manages to break all the boundaries of what you would expect or what you would expect of an album also um, mm. there's I mean there's a funny story that uh, with our very first album um, that we released in 2016 um, we had this one song which cut abruptly which we had during a recording session yeah, um, it, was an, it was an accident, was an accident <laughs> and basically like we were running out of time in the studio and um, the engineer was just like well I mean it, it basically bounced it bounced and it just it stopped. stopped without the ending, oh. and we had we had not even like a couple of minutes more to bounce the track again. <laughs> so they, the so it was just like, well, and this is how it's going in the record. <laughs> and we were like, okay. Oh. And there's, I mean, there is the same in um, in A7 on the on the record, which is um, unlike weather. I mean, there is also one song which just, I mean, you wouldn't expect it to just cut abruptly and it's kind of like I mean the album has a lot of different emotions that you can kind of like dive into but I mean there is some sense of humor for example when that song just cuts abruptly and you're just like what was that right. what happened right now <laughs> I, don't know, I mean who knows who knows if it like I mean sometimes mistakes become something that Exactly. That you, you, you keep because it makes it it makes it unique. So and, and I think that Leila has this amazing way of working with her mixing desk where I mean I think it's intentional and, and I mean she knows what she's doing but she loves personally I feel that like she loves looking for, you know, like the kind of dots in between and like the little mistakes that you can find that she then pulls out and makes it something that becomes audible and that mm -hmm. is actually something you start really enjoying. And then the other thing is what I mentioned in the beginning, I mean Leila's album 
the reason why I picked it is because it really has something with synesthesia that you really, I don't know, I mean, I hear this, this record and it really opens up a very fairy tale world somehow. I can really dive into a different world, into a, into a different universe that is, you know, unlike anything that you would see in, in real life, which is kind of mm -hmm. really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's, she, she's, she's not scared of kind of like pulling things together and at the same time going very far and, and going, you know, sometimes, I mean, she, she has some songs that are just so beautifully like cinematic and kind of like epic and it's just like this like completely open and then she goes into very noisy distorted moments and it's kind of yeah I think it's an interesting sentimentality can you say sentimentality mm, yeah guess yeah um, it's like it, it's it's really emotional but the emotions always have different energies you know it's not just like it's not just black or white it's kind of she 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 covers the whole range because that's that's what it really is like somehow it's never yeah it's, it's very surrealist i mean the whole album where like all her works i always find them very surrealistic and hmm. yeah and they're 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 gutsy and unique and <laughs> Yeah. And f very feminine as well. Yeah, I mean, to go back to what you said at the beginning, Daniel, about the fact that, you know, there was that review that was like, this is an album that doesn't gel together as a whole record. I mean, so I haven't listened that to this. That was for Flying Lizards. That was oh, for Flying Lizards, yeah. Right, yeah, sorry. No. For um, this album, actually, it was the opposite, where people wrote, it's crazy eclectic, and exactly because of that they love it that, so that was going to be my point it <laughs> would seem ridiculous to throw this accusation at this record and it's curious yeah, isn't it when that, someone no way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it felt like there's a lot of disparate spaces going on on this this album yeah. where you had some instruments that were evoking one acoustic space and then others within the same stereo field seeming like they belonged in like a strange elsewhere as well but kind of rubbing up together I'd never heard this yeah. record. It's really, really striking record. It came out. Yeah, on you should yeah. listen and on Reflex. Yeah, and Reflex. Uh, you should hear uh, Blood Looms and Blooms also, which is even more surreal, and you dive even more into mm -hmm. a very abstract world. But yeah, I mean, I when mean, I she, discovered she, this record, that was she has a, a, a like her own universe that she creates. But also, I mean, she she has some songs that are really like. I think every song that has vocals are, yeah, they've they've got like a kind of like a I don't want to say poppy side to it, but like it's it's uh, certainly it's very tangible. Basically. It's very tangible and very mm. real, you know. And then her instrumental tracks are just like <laughs> they just throw you somewhere else. <laughs> but I I think all her records, I mean. Uh, everything everything she does it's it's super inspiring and and i don't i don't think there's anything like it really yeah. like i couldn't no it's just it's just leila <laughs> and do you remember how you discovered it um it was through like a 
professor we had oh, in, yeah. in uni. He yeah. kind of like just played it to us. He played one track of one of her uh, most recent. But that was yeah of her most recent albums. I mean that was from the UN. I mean all her albums are very different one to another. Hmm. And her most recent album is a collaboration between Mount Sims and her. And then on Blood Blooms and Blooms, she has collaborations with um. Forgot the name. The singer from the specials. Right. Um, then. Martina Tubley Bird mm -hmm. and so like she has I don't know she loves collaborating with people and she has a lot of really interesting vocalists vocalists she collaborates with um, and yeah so I kind of like instead of discovering her first album in the first place I heard her very last album and then <laughs> gradually went back in time and and heard like weather which is her very first record um, I think she's gonna re repress it. Apparently. She's been she's been sharing some posts that it's it, it probably comes back. Yes. So it's super exciting. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing that surprised me is I think I've seen her live without knowing it. I saw Björk at La Zenith in Paris. I think she supported on that day. Um, have you? Yeah, she was seen her live. Yes, a couple of times. She D was in your touring band um, mm. for a long time, and I think she was also really influential in like what Björk did. I feel mm. listening to Björk's records. Um, but yeah, we've seen her twice. There was once a gig in in London in a church. And the promoter, I mean, they always 30, changed the name of the festival. RPM. It was 23 RPM, then 24 RPM, uh, <laughs> then 25 RPM. That's then, why, I mean, yeah. There was an amazing festival. Um, I think Graham Massey from State 808 was playing. And then, I mean, a lot of older warp artists were playing. It was really, really um, great. And I, then, yeah. I remember of that because it was a, it was a DJ set, but f for me, I think also, if you're going to her SoundClouds, her her DJ sets are not are not the usual DJ yeah, sets. Right. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's 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 kind of like yeah, it's Leila, and then there's other songs <laughs> in, involved. But she uses a lot of effects, and I remember when I saw it was it was a DJ set, and I was just like I was ready to go home. Like I was like I don't want anything else to like take away what I feel right now. I just want to mm. leave and and stay with this because it was just such a powerful performance and it was a, it was a DJ set so yeah I think she had a lot of effects I think she had she was playing I don't know how many devices she had to reproduce music <laughs> for, for that one she's strong with the machines
you mentioned this in connection with the Flying Lizards record, so tell me a bit more about why that one appears in this list. This one, okay, so this is like a recent discovery. Pete showed it to us. Pete, yeah, Pete ah. plays it quite, quite a bit in his house, and we just started playing it as well, and I think it's there's not a single time that I hear it that I don't, that I don't say, like, this is so great record um, and it's so surprising that it didn't yeah well like we were just checking and it and people people really don't feel it's a strong album which I find really really surprising but um, yeah, it's kind of like the, I mean the reason why I chose it is because I think it's um, it's a really good record that has kind of the, the, the potential to be something that goes yeah, that you can you can hear yourself and you can dive into it and it goes quite quite actually deep. Mm. But and then on the other hand, it can be like it's amazing to hear with friends. It's got like this really like uplifting and and groovy and fun sides. Mm. And then I love I love the f like the the feminine energy that it has, especially like in. In, in some tracks like um, hands to take hands to take or yeah I mean hands to take is probably like one of my favorite tracks ever wow and yeah I I, I really really do love it and I, I I love the lyrics and and I think it's I mean it's got this line where it's just like it, she just sings full volume like what are you waiting for you know <laughs> and it's i i love it that that it speaks i love songs that kind of like speak to the listener directly and kind of encourages them you know that it really is it pulls you up and you're like yeah what am i waiting for you really you really uh it really pulls you up and it's a trippy record as well. I mean, it has, I, I Daniel was saying, cause I, I didn't know and we were just checking fourth what wall. fourth wall means. Yes. And it actually, it's so interesting because I think that that's how the record feels somehow when you listen to it. And right. it made sense that that's the name. Cause the fourth wall is like this. It's um, a conceptual barrier between the audience and the listeners. So like the audience and uh, the audience and the, and the performers, so the yeah. um, the audience can look inside, but the performer can't look outside. Yes. Exactly. So they're really like in their, so as if they're like in in their own world. And I feel, I feel you feel that in the record, like with all the so sounds and 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 vocal delivery, like you really feel as if they were in a room doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And they're they're really not there there is a no point like a a thought of of anyone perceiving it somehow like there's a lot of like live elements i don't know i just feel like i could imagine them in a room <laughs> doing it you know and, and trying things out it's interesting as well you say that there's a you know there's moments where it turns and faces you though as well right which is that, that's a kind of curious yeah. addition to that because I, I guess also as well we only really talk about the fourth wall when there's an intention to break it otherwise you kind of exist within that conceptual realm 
sort of to talk yeah. about it is in in, in, is in essence to break it as well um, yeah. yeah that's very interesting you're right mm. because it, it has like this instrumental tracks are super abstract and trippy and then it comes back with something that is as I said something that you can just be listening to it with, with friends and it's kind of like uplifting and it's speaking it has some phrases that are very piercing and speaking directly to you so it does have this like very interesting on and off from track to track but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel abrupt you know it just it still flows yeah really nicely yeah i don't feel i got time to properly ingest the full spectrum of what this one was saying because as you say you had some tracks that feel pretty straight up and then there's one quite early on which is like just 80 seconds of i think like looped voice but this really yeah interesting... new voice before it has to take right it's such a and i, I had to kind of check that no, nothing has switched over to a different record on my phone or something like that but it's a really <laughs> nice but but you know i can see from from what you're saying that there is like a there's a coherence in terms of um how they're approaching sound and how that can fit in with songs that are definitely more totally. targeted, right? Yeah. We had this with a friend when, like, he once told us this really amazing sentence um, when he was talking about us making a record and he just, I mean, he comes from a film background and he just told us this, this phrase where he said, you have to think as if you were doing a movie and you have to look at the whole record as the movie and you have to think of all the trajectories and ups and downs you kind of would perceive in a movie so I mean that was for me something which I felt was really inspiring that he kind of you know compared music albums to to movies mm. and and I mean Flying Lizards album totally has that yeah, it's a very vivid, vivid movie, a very vivid, you know, a lot of different things happening yeah. <laughs> in that album. And an amazing array of guests, right? You've got Michael Nyman on here, Robert Fripp, because yeah. quite an yeah. eclectic ar array of people all appearing as well. Yeah, I think The Flying Lizards always, I mean, was mainly David Cunningham and then each album kind of had like different different people because yeah I was curious about the the the, the vocalist because I, I I love some of this track so much and it's not it, they have different kind they, they have different okay. uh, different vocalists mm. like yeah 99% sure <laughs> you just made me doubt <laughs> um. I think so Let's pick another important record. Um, yeah, let me know which one you want to talk about. Well, uh, movies, since you mentioned movies. Yeah, uh -huh. the KLF. <laughs> yeah, nice segue. Um, 
Yeah, so why did this one make the list? Just, I mean, I think that Jimmy Cotti is just a really great artist. I mean, I would call him an artist. You know, I mean, he's so multidisciplinary in like everything he does. And I picked The White Room just because I found it awesome that they did this whole movie, which kind of never existed right. again. But I mean, I sent you a link with the with the bootleg of the movie and nobody really knows if it's the actual movie or not. But um, I mean, outside of this record, which I think is amazing, somehow all their works connect. And I mean, if you look at what Jimmy Cotty is doing now, um, I mean, for example, he did this um, Tower Block One project, which is a miniature tower block where people can rent you know, apartments and he put them up for like really expensive to kind of, you know, active, be active about rent prices and, mm. and yeah, just the housing crisis in, in, in general. So, and then you look back at the old videos and you see that all these, you know, tower blocks appeared 20 or 30 years ago in, in like the movies that he did and the music videos he did. and. The same also with, I mean, in the in the White Room album, there is one song called Justified and Ancient, mm. which is, I mean, just recently they started doing um, the mummification project, <laughs> <laughs> which is basically you can buy a brick and uh, put, put your, your ashes, ashes inside of the brick, and they're planning to build a pyramid called with everyone's bricks called. Uh, uh, yeah, basically they're planning to build a pyramid oh, out of all the ashes of people that buy, you know, these bricks were basically... I mean, it's just somehow like the whole career of the KLF, it's it's kind of like it seems that everything is really connected and he again created, you know, like this really abstract world which he kind of lives in and it is, he puts things into real life. I mean, he kind of like created the music videos and you watch the music videos, but now you can, you know, go to an exhibition and see like Tower Block One, which is, you know, like it appeared 30 years ago and yeah, in one of the music videos. So mm. it seems that he's like a very, I don't know, just very complete artists in so many ways that he really connects the dots and and solid right like yeah. he, he was like always very loyal to and to their beliefs and political views and yeah, yeah. and at the same time making like dance mu music which is awesome it's just like, <laughs> like such a such a spin um and then i mean another funny story about this record is i mean he, they basically made the album and they wanted to soundtrack the movie which they did where you where you basically see them driving in i think it's in andalusia in spain um it's kind of like a road movie yeah <laughs> and jimmy and and billy they bought this car which is an old ford police wagon which you would normally see in you know like 70s yeah, just American police, police. <laughs> <laughs> movies. Awesome. And, and there's this video by the Time Lords, which was the project before the KLF started, uh -huh. um, where they sampled Doctor Who, and you see this robot running around in the music video, or kind of like driving around, and they're driving around with this car, and apparently 
from the money they made from that song, they kind of like tried to make the White Room the movie. Um, but they never finished because they ran out of fundings. Yeah, they spent, from what I read, like a lot of money in a very short period of time, right? And then try to release a single to raise capital again, which didn't take off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to, to describe it. I just, I just find it fascinating. Maybe that's the right word. Yeah really fascinating what they what they did the stories and the ideas they had and and yeah and i picked the white room because i just felt it's their strongest record although i mean the chill out i think it's called chill out yeah. album which came before is also great um yeah there's a, there's a lot going on with the klf it seems so i'm not i've not <laughs> dived in but i'm aware the bbc did a sort of dramatization of them i think it's called how to burn a million quid about them doing oh that but, um, yeah. <laughs> like reading about you know i pulled up a couple of articles about them mm-hmm. and it was just dogged with like legal action yeah you know money woes um so much drama it seems to stick to them like a magnet i'm really fascinated yeah. to to uh to Very dive a bit more in political i mean didn't they uh Liz Jimmy just said, like, I stopped doing music until there's world peace. Yeah, they pulled all the records. I mean, you can't yeah. find, I mean, they pulled all the records from the label and and, and said, we won't like, repress any of the records until there's world peace. <laughs> we won't do any I mean, music. I mean, it's and, just, and it's true. They have, I mean, it's, the, the, it's... What I find so inspiring about them is that they somehow managed to really scale things to a, I mean, it just, yeah, they just scaled things up to like some crazy dimensions. Um, and, and at the same time, I mean, all their ideas are kind of like, I mean, if you would hear it before they did this idea, you would just be like, fuck, this is like some, some crazy idea you're having. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I love, I mean, again, I'm only in, this this is the only record that I've listened to of theirs, but I like the fact that you've got, you know, track. Is it called "What Time Is Love," which yeah. I understand is about people on the dance floor kind of identifying when their ecstasy high is going to kick in. But <laughs> I suppose it kind of like all links together, right? You've got that the the the, the kind of real rabid optimism of the dance floor, where it's just like anything yeah. is possible. So the the sort yeah. of world encompassing scale fits even if it also fits inside a nightclub as well. Yeah. <laughs> so they're really serious, but at the same time, they're very fun. Let me ask you a question. What time is love? What time is love? What time is love? Let's talk about your final important record. Final. Yes. Yeah. Big finale. The, so. The big finale is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, Space in many ways. Um, so why is this one on the list? There is actually a really crazy personal story of um, how we discovered Spaceman Three. 
and how I mean it I mean it all happened by coincidence how we met Pete also and and I mean it started with uh, I mean me being at the independent label market in London and um, we uh, we met someone who always came to see our shows and kind of really liked um, our music and he somebody we didn't know before right he would just kind of like pop up to the concerts exactly. and then appeared at this record sale mm -hmm. and he had he had the recurring record in his hands and he was just like you guys have to if you don't know this you have to listen to it Whoa. Um, which was like a yeah a funny coincidence that he kind of linked us up and introduced us to Spaceman 3 like that and that then we met Pete yeah <laughs> Yeah. Really loving his music and um, I mean I think this is just like yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing record. So many love songs. Was it a record so you, so you so you were given it by this person who used to come to your shows? Was it was it one that resonated immediately? Yes, I mean yes. that was our introduction pretty much and then I mean further on we discovered I mean all the other Spaceman 3 records and and then went into the solo projects of Pete and uh, Jason. I mean, yeah. The, this was their last album together, yeah. right? So, I mean, the A side was written by Pete and the B side was written by Jason. Mm -hmm. And and there is one track where they both... throw together, but yeah. I mean, it still is a very complete record to me, even though they didn't record it together and I really I really love this album it's just such a great record I love the fact so so this is their final record right and I understand that it was kind of due to sort of the fact that the band was fracturing that they recorded it in that way right Pete yeah. in the first half um it's always so fascinating I guess for the internal band dynamics to be played out through the sequencing of an album as well absolutely um, I feel like you kind of had that with the Walker Brothers as well when they were pulling in different directions and yeah. collaborated, but didn't really on a, on a record, just kind of tape some EPs together. Huh. I mean, sometimes, you know, these frictions are what create also really great records. I mean, it's... Hmm. I would, I, I would, I mean, I would have given everything and I would give every, anything to see this live. Hmm. I mean, it must be... Yeah, it must be incredible. I mean, the instrumentation, it's like, it's, it, it definitely pulls you in. You lose sense of time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's, it's more like mellow and reduced, but then some other times it's just like 100% vibey mm -hmm. and, and, and uplifting and groovy. Yeah. And then at the same time, yeah, I think the lyrics are pretty, pretty special as well. They're always I, pretty direct. And yeah, I think it's a bold, mm. yeah, bold ways of of bold, but also very s soft somehow. Like ways of speaking about love. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's not it's it's it's, it's never cheesy. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I get, I can get quite like. 
allergic reactions to cheesy things. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but with this, I'm just like it's just totally like yeah, it's more melting than anything else. Mm. Yeah. And do you have favorite tracks between you? I think Big City is is mm. my favorite track. Um, I mean, actually. Oh, all. I mean, all the A side. Yeah. I do. I am a, an A side. <laughs> Team A side. Yeah. yeah. A, what, A or B? But um, I mean, why couldn't I see? Is awesome. Mm. There is something well, about the minimalism and and just about the very stripped down chord progressions and chord changes and you know the somehow the craft to build around and make a song with you know so little like with just one note or two notes or a chord progression like a very you know just a very simple chord progression and and it's something which is it always surprises me in in Pete's work I mean it's very much somehow a philosophy of thinking and a philosophy of because I was I was actually listening to to Big City that it's like a quite a long track and then I was just like is it getting more and more reduced right like the more the more the, you know the more I heard it I just felt that I was just like diving in and it felt like it felt each time more reduced and then I was keeping it like skipping back and forward and I was just like it's not it's not more reduced <laughs> I, like I don't think it I mean but but somehow I mean at least that's what that's what I felt by skipping it but um, I I feel it it pulls you in so much that you you start hearing sounds sounds differently it gives mm -hmm. you it gives you the time to kind of Diving and it never it never feels too long. No. Which is magical. I mean to have such such long tracks and that you could hear them for even longer. Yeah. And you wouldn't even you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's so astute I think to know when you plan to have something repeat like that that it's going to yeah. provide more fruit over time rather than diminishing returns. Like I think yeah. the ability to identify those ideas which are that have something within them that can flower over duration is um an incredible skill. Like, as you say that yeah. first, first track is just like just goes round in a circle, right? But there's um yeah. his voice yeah. during that track as well is um Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like, we saw scary, we right? saw it um he performed it live now. We've seen him live twice. Wow. Yeah, and and it was, I mean, just just to have someone on stage singing, everybody I know can can be found here, and like, and yeah, I love you too, like on repeat, and, and, and you're there, and everybody's like, yeah! <laughs> you know, like, everybody, it's just, it's just a really nice feeling live, because you, it kind of, I mean, I felt that everybody I knew yeah. could be found there somehow, just like by the energy, you know, mm. just, just such a great energy that I was just like, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing to, mm. to sing and to see life.
one more question I have for both of you is how when you really want to listen to one of your favorite records and you know discuss listening on headphones and but if, if you want to really dig into a record and give it its full appraisal is there a way that you do that is there a place you go do you have like a particular setup that you really enjoy for really digging into a record and soaking it up as much as you can oh, oh yeah <laughs> i mean for me for me it's uh always every day headphones and walking yes yeah i mean especially right now during during quarantine it, it became it became a daily thing like i i go on a walk and i listen to a full album mm. and um that's my my favorite way of 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 listening to it because i'm i'm on the move i can I mean, if I want to dance, I can dance, <laughs> but I'm not getting distracted by anything. And I also feel a lot of energy because I'm walking. And it, for me, it's like a very, yeah, it's a very sharp but relaxing way to to listening to my top records. Danny, what about you? I don't really have a preference. I mean, I, I love listening to records on like physical vinyls just because there is something about turning around the record and just the concept of how the A and B side is split. I mean I think there's a whole different thought process if you, you know, have an album digitally and, and you hear it on headphones and there is not this moment of turning the record around. Hmm. Which is why personally I really don't like um records or albums which have two vinyls just for the sake of, you know, keeping the turning quality. Turning and turning it around. Um, but if an album is, is on one record, I really love this idea of having one side and then going to the second side. But then also, I mean, it depends what kind of music you're listening to. I, I really love listening to music on headphones, just simply because it it immerses you and, and yeah, I mean, with some records, it's really like some transcendental experience. <laughs> Great. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much to the both of you. Thank for, you uh, so much. This has been, been, been great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. And I hope this, uh, these records are nice discoveries. Absolutely. For you and other people. <laughs> I've had a great few days digging into these and definitely going to spend nice. more time with them. I think the Spaceman 3 one in particular. So thanks yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> so if people want to check out your new album, Kids Talk Song, where's the best place for them to go to do that? On Bandcamp. Yeah, at the moment, at the moment, Bandcamp. Cool. And it will, yeah, it's, it's, it's the best spot because it's... The bit delayed on the on the physical because of 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 COVID. It's been a bit um, so in a way right now. Bandcamp is the uh, you know it's it's more it will be more realistic than going to a shop. Unfortunates for a little while. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Great. The other thing is that there will be three stores that are going to have uh, exclusive prints like very limited exclusive prints of yeah, the artworks huh. which could which, be yeah are you divulging where they're going to be or is it down to people to find them uh, it's a top secret I don't know <laughs> <if it's, laughs> we'll see. 
Piccadilly Records, Norman, um, Boomcut, and I think Bleep. Nice. Yeah, and that's if you want like an extra special artwork. Who doesn't? Great. Well, thank you once again for your time. To everyone listening, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye. Ciao. Bye-bye.